Hey, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Ad Project Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Joe Shelley from Ad Advance, and today I am joined by Matt Wicklin. And Matt, how's it going today? It's a beautiful Monday. I'm feeling good. It's a How beautiful doing, Monday. Joe? I'm feeling pretty good, too. You good. just got back from vacation. Welcome back. Thank you. Yeah, good to have you back in the office. It was a good trip, but glad to be back. Yep. See your smiling face. Having a good hair day? <laughs> I am. Thank you for noticing. Yeah, we had to do two takes right before this, and that's how Matt started, and it went nowhere. So we're re recording again. So thought we were going to drop it, but <laughs> let's move on. <laughs> All right. So today, what we wanted to cover on the podcast is really focus on new to brand. One, we can kind of cover why we care about new to brand. Two, how we measure it, and three, how we can optimize around it. Um, so first off, I'll just start with new to brand. So Matt, kind of walk us through why we care about new to brand, what it is, why it matters. Sure. So new to brand customers are those that have not, according to Amazon, the way they measure it are Amazon shoppers that have not made a purchase within your Amazon brand in the last 365 days. It's a really important metric. If you have any sort of consumable product or anything that has a high lifetime value, repeat orders, et cetera, because those that have made a purchase previously may be brand loyal and they may be more likely to make a purchase again organically at no cost to you through your ads. Sure. So by raising new to brand awareness, by converting new to brand customers, uh, it's a great way to increase the future revenue that your Amazon brand gains. Yep. Yep. And, and so this is one of the big reasons why, like in a previous episode recorded with Molly, we talked about really how do you build your brand overall and why we care about our brand so much. And one of the key reasons why is that if we can uh, increase the lifetime value of any customer that comes in, we can essentially pay more from the start to get them introduced to our brand because we know that they're going to purchase more or we're going to have a larger lifetime value than just that initial purchase. And so if you've ever been on Amazon and you're going through as a seller and you're saying, man, how do my competitors, how can they pay so much? I know from a margin standpoint, they probably can't be making any money on this purchase. Well, one thing to look at is asking, hey, are they cross-selling other products after the fact? Are they a consumable product? And maybe they're driving more repeat purchases after the fact. All these items as they go through, they can really lead to a higher lifetime value. And that means that you can get more aggressive with your advertising from the start. And so really when we're talking about new to brand, it goes hand in hand with what's the LTV or the lifetime value of my uh, new customer that comes in. And from there, once we have that information, we can start to make a lot of really good decisions on how we optimize getting those new brand customers in the door in the first place. Totally. Yeah. So calculating lifetime value. So kind of walk me through that. Sure. Right. So how, how do you do that? How do you look at that? Yeah. So there are a number of reports that you can look at, I guess, just starting with what the definition is. Uh, lifetime value is the sum of all revenue that you gain from an individual shopper, an individual customer. So your lifetime value, if you never get another repeat customer for your products is, you know, one order or whatever your average order value is, maybe $30 if you have a $30 product. Sure. But if you have a supplement or a product like a water bottle that has accessories, different tops, straws, whatever, your lifetime value is the sum of 
that customer's purchases across your full brand, whether that's repeat purchases of the same product, supplements being a great example. They have a finite life. People use them, they consume them, they go away, they buy another. Yep. Um, or that accessory where you're cross-selling across your catalog and they're picking up accessories related to it. Yep, yep. So just a couple examples. So say on the supplement side, we'll say our supplements cost $25. And the average person who purchases one bottle of these supplements tends to buy three more. What we can say is, all right, that first purchase, average order value was $25. They purchased that first bottle. But then after that, they buy three more three times 25 is 75 plus that first purchase of 25 lifetime value is a hundred dollars. And so you can see where if we just look at that first purchase and say we measure our advertising based off of that, which it usually would because of the attribution window timing, um, a ROAS or an ACOS could look poor for that first purchase. But once you take into account those other purchases after the fact, now things can look a lot different. And same case for brands that can really drive cross purchases. So we've got the water bottle case, or let's say we have an apparel company, they sell running gear, sports gear. And once I sell them my running shorts, now I have a high probability to sell them a running shirt and a running hat. You can add up the average uh, overall purchases that you get after that first purchase, and that's your overall lifetime value. So it's really, like Matt just said, it's the sum of the average of future purchases that you're gonna get, plus that initial purchase, that's the lifetime value as a whole. And that's really what we should be using to make a lot of the initial decisions for advertising or other items that we're investing in to try to drive new to brand customers. Exactly, yeah, and it's the reason why you're gonna see really high CPCs in any sort of category that that has high LTV supplements, for example, they're probably the best example. Yep. You can have a $10 vitamin C, vitamin D product where the cost per click is like $5. Um, and they're not returning a profit, a marginal profit on that first conversion from their ads. Sure. What they're banking on is they have a good product, it has benefits, and people are going to subscribe and save, or people are going to see go back to their order history, purchase it again organically when their 30-day supply runs out, examples like that. So, I mean, a $5 CPC against a $10 product, if you had 100% conversion rate, you're at a 50% ACoS, if you have a 50% conversion rate, like you're breaking even. Nobody's hitting a 50% conversion rate, you yeah. know, outside of like crazy branded search where people are probably gonna like circle back and purchase again organically. like. You can afford high CPCs when your end game is LTV and it should be factored into your decisions because the majority of purchases after that initial one uh, from brand loyal customers is going to come organically or through other channels outside of PPC. Yep. Yeah. And this is what's always interesting to me too. Like say if we're doing posts and we share about a certain client that has these results and somebody will respond back and they're like, that's not a good ACoS. And it's like, no, okay, we're, we're not taking the whole picture into account here. And so we see that quite a bit too for like supplement case studies. Somebody will say, oh my gosh, a 50% ACoS. Yeah, well, if you just look at that single sale, yeah, you might not be making that much money, even not considering that supplements tend to have a very high margin. Sometimes people aren't taking that into account either. But then once you start taking into account the lifetime value, like, okay, once I get them in the door, now they tend to be brand loyal and buy a bunch more. Now it makes total sense. And so I think it just initially like 
getting over that frame of reference on just focusing on reported ACOS or ROAS and taking a step back and saying, what are we truly trying to do here? What are the actions that we're trying to drive? What type of business outcomes is this going to have instead of just focusing on single metrics that that may not paint the whole picture? Totally. Yeah. Like goal setting for like ACOS targets or ROAS targets, if you're a supplement brand or a consumable brand, they really should take LTV into account. Like a lot of folks in the Amazon space view an aggressive ACOS target as something that's equal to, to margin. And I think that's a fine overall objective for ACOS, potentially, depending on what margin is. But if looking at it in the context of new to brand, I think the benchmark needs to change because there are real benefits and like customers will circle back organically using the numbers that are available to you via brand analytics or other sources. Like you can calculate standard quantity of repeat purchases factor that into your new to brand goals and set a separate set of benchmarks for new to brand strategies. Sure. So walk me through, all right, we've got certain tools on Amazon. So let's talk about, let's talk about reporting first, how you can measure new to brand. And then let's talk about the, the actions that you can take based off of that. So first let's start and let's talk about new to brand metrics. So kind of walk us through what's available within the Amazon platform. Can I switch up where we start a little bit? Yeah, for yeah. sure. I, I think we should start with like roughly calculating LTV. Okay. As an overall account kind of reference point. I love it. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then looking at new to brand metrics to contextualize those results sure. uh, using LTV as a benchmark. So to get to LTV, a really good source that pretty much every brand registered Amazon uh, brand has access to are brand analytics reports. Okay. So there's a repeat order report within brand analytics, and you can measure quantity of repeat purchases over a 365 look back. Uh, if you're running DSP, you can also access audience insights, which offers really cool repeat purchase metrics showing like duration between repeat orders. That's really valuable, especially for like DSP settings and new to brand repeat order tactics and yeah, stuff. Yeah, if we're trying to drive repeat orders, now you kind of yeah. know the right frequency to start showing those ads again after the initial purchase and yeah. all that other good stuff. Generally, that's not accessible though to brands. You know, that's the DSP entity owner, which is typically an agency. So brand analytics is your go-to source, I would say. There's also good third-party tools that offer LTV reporting uh, and then AMC Again, that's even a greater leap than the DSP audience insight reports, I feel like, because yep. you have to be an agency with AMC an AMC as an Amazon too. marketing cloud. Yeah. Yep. yep. Thanks. Offers really cool new to brand capabilities. There's a lot of different ways you can look at it. Yeah. Or yep. LTV capabilities. Yep. Yeah. So that's where you can go, brand analytics, to get some LTV metrics, repeat order metrics, um, which gives you a goalpost or a rough benchmark on all right, I close a new to brand client. What can I expect in revenue from them over the next year? Sure. Pivoting to new to brand metrics within your campaigns, then sponsor brands offers new to brand metrics, a whole set of metrics related to it. Sponsor display offers a whole set of new to brand metrics. Uh, DSP offers new to brand metrics. Sponsor products doesn't, but via Amazon marketing cloud, AMC, you can get new to brand metrics for sponsor products. Mm -hmm. Amazon, if you're listening to this, 
why don't we have that for sponsored products? Like it's available in the back end. It's a super simple query. Sure. It would be lovely to be able to complete the full loop yep. of new to brand for all of your ad products. But uh, key metrics, new to brand orders, you can divide that by uh, your total orders to get percent of orders new to brands. You can calculate new to brand uh, ROAS for some ad, ad types. They're all available just within the ad console. You can add them as columns within the standard UI layout or add it to the graph up top uh, within the ad console. Sure. Sure. Yep. That's awesome. And so a key question that we get is like for some of these strategies, is it okay to have a higher ACOS or ROAS? You know, we kind of touched on that already. So if we're driving people new to brand, so we're trying to reach people who would not be aware or purchase our products without our advertising, reaching those new to brand individuals, they're going to lead more to those longer term repeat purchases. The people who have already purchased from our brand, they're already familiar with it. So hopefully they're going to come back and repurchase anyways. And so if we look at the value of new to brand versus not new to brand customers, value is going to be higher because we're getting more people in the door. And so, you know, for that question, it's another common one that we get. Yes, it's okay to have a worse ACOS or a lower ROAS for your new to brand strategies or campaigns um, because that lifetime value is higher. So just kind of circling back and specifically answering that question. Totally. Yeah. yeah. If a product is typically has three repeat orders, meaning four total orders, and it has a three times higher new to brand ROAS, like that's or three times lower uh, new to brand ROAS or three times higher new to brand ACOS. Sure. That's okay. Like Typical repeat orders are four or three. Yeah, total four. So it's like net favorable if all are purchased organically. Basically, just factor it into You'll your decision. You'll ask me there a little yeah, bit, but right. I trust yeah. you on the numbers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, and this is another way where just looking at ACOS or ROAS, the reported numbers can lead you astray a bit too. So for instance, if we really want to have a good ACOS, we really want to have a solid ROAS, we could just target branded search. But for somebody to search specifically for a brand, they have to be aware of our brand. <laughs> and so the percentage of new to brand customers coming specifically from your brand, if you're just targeting branded search, is probably going to be really low. And so you could have a great ACOS or a great ROAS because branded search tends to convert really well. But at the same time, are you really expanding your customer base? And the answer is going to be probably not. And, and so this is another instance too where people who are hyper-focused on just the reported ACOS or ROAS can maybe get led astray and focus on some of these tactics that are just going to drive people who are already aware of your brand to purchase. Um, less incremental. Yeah, less incremental. It could cannibalize organic sales too. You're just not expanding that customer base. And so if you really want to grow, focusing on new to brand is a great metric to go after. Yeah, so to focus on new to brands, there are a number of different strategies across different ad products. You touched on the first one, you know, the main one, which is targeting category keywords, targeting competitor product targets versus branded terms or in-brand product targets, like a cross-promotion nascent defense strategy. Sure. If you're reaching outside of brands, more general keywords, they didn't search specifically for your brand, they're not yet brand aware, they probably haven't made a purchase from you previously, most likely to be a new-to-brand uh, customer. So targeting those category keywords across your mix of campaigns 
is a great way to add incremental new to brand sales. Sure. Additional ways, you want to talk through some of the new sponsor brand features? Yeah. Yeah. So there is a new feature that's available via the API only right now for sponsor brands. And it's essentially, it's kind of like a placement adjustment that we're used to for sponsor products. But essentially you can add an incremental percentage to your bid to target new to brand customers through sponsor brands. And so this is really cool. Like sponsor brands is a great way, more of a, more of a medium funnel strategy. Um, where you can direct them to your storefront, kind of build up that brand presence a little bit more and lead to the purchase. So with sponsor brands, you can essentially apply a percentage increase. So say my base bid's a buck, but I apply a 100% premium for new to brand. That means that now my $1 bid can change to $2 for anybody who hasn't purchased from me within the last 365 days. And so what's great about this is if we're really trying to expand that customer base, we can target those folks versus showing our ads maybe to people who are, again, are already familiar with our brand and would repeat purchase from us anyways. And so this is a great way to um, really target those, those new brand customers currently only available via the API. So it's not as vis visual or visible. I'm sure that they'll be rolling this out. Amazon typically takes an API first approach so we can get it built out, tested, um, and then it goes into the user interface, the, the ad console itself. Um, so I'd expect to see this coming pretty soon, but it's a great tool to be able to target and build up that new to brand presence and pay a little bit more to get in front of those people who are not currently familiar with the brand. Sure. Yeah. And if you're a little more fuzzy on like, what is my LTV? What should that percentage be? There's also an API option very similar to this. It's more of a campaign bidding strategy where you can select between maximize immediate sales, which has no bias towards repeat customers or new to brand customers or maximize new to brand sales. It's just a default one, two option. So you can select like maximize new to brand sales and Amazon will automatically target new to brand customers more aggressively than repeat customers too. Sure. Yep. Yeah. And other ways to do it too, is just looking at your keyword mix. Like, you know, if we're targeting more general terms, chances are maybe that you're going to hit new, more new to brand customers than very specific, again, branded search terms. So just looking at the keyword mix too, you can kind of control that, but you can't target specific people. You know, that's more looking at search terms overall, but another way to potentially change your keyword strategy, just like we were talking about on the, the sponsor product side. For sure. Product targeting too huge, you know, targeting competitor ASINs. It means you're likely putting ad placements on somebody else's product page, sure. you know, so somebody's actively viewing a competitor. We can poach that business, convert them for your brand. Chances are they're going to be a new to brand customer. Otherwise, hopefully they'd be looking at your own product page, but uh, category keywords, competitor product targets are a great way to do it. Yep. Uh, sponsor display is also great, as is DSP. DSP is significantly more powerful. We'll get to that. But with sponsor display, like targeting upper funnel in market audiences, lifestyle audiences uh, are great ways of reaching new to brand customers. Whereas bottom of the funnel strategies, like repeat purchasing strategies, like by default to reaching people that have previously purchased. So <laughs> zero new to brand there. Yep. Uh, and then ASIN views. Uh, if somebody viewed your products, they're more likely to be, it depends obviously, but you know, like 
that's reaching an audience that may have purchased previously too. So yep. more upper funnel audience targeting strategies are a great way to, to build new to brand yep. customers. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And other fun ways, and you kind of hit it on it, like for the product targeting side, but especially if you have consumable products, well, if somebody's constantly buying from my competitor, now if I can use product targeting to hopefully draw them over and change the type of laundry detergent that they're using, you know, once you get kind of stuck in a habit, then you're going to keep purchasing that as you go. Items like that, conquesting strategies using product targeting are another great way to go to try to increase new to brand and drive people from another competitor's brand over to you to keep purchasing. Totally. And then for DSP, keeping it relatively brief, uh, for audience targeting, you can outright exclude people that have made a purchase from your brand in the last 365 days or exclude people that bought a specific ASIN within your catalog within the last 365. The specific ASIN thing's big because even though it's not a new-to-brand customer, like targeting compliments or accessories, the, the running gear example, somebody bought a short a pair of running shorts from you, sure. you want to sell a matching top, that's a great way to increase LTV outside of new to brand metrics. Yep. Now the season changes Yeah. and they just bought summer running stuff. Now let's start advertising our winter running gear. These are all great ways to increase lifetime value through advertising. Um, so maybe not focusing on the new to brand aspect, but now you can take advantage of those new to brand customers and really focus your advertising on trying to expand that lifetime value of your customer as a whole. Exactly. Yeah. And then any other mid funnel, upper funnel strategy or even bottom of funnel like ASIN retargeting, mm -hmm. you exclude customers that purchased from your brand or the products that you're advertising historically and you're reaching new to brand customers or those that are moving across catalog cross promo yep yep i love it any other key pieces that you want to hit sometimes i've wrapped up early and you'd still have like <laughs> amazing nuggets to add no that's it yeah yeah i mean so what we covered um just going through lifetime value how you calculate it what it means how you measure it, and then how you put it into action. And these are really key strategies to implement. And this is why building a brand is so important overall on Amazon. If you're just focused on selling single products and you can't increase that lifetime value, it's going to come down to a game of margins. And it's really tough and it's cutthroat on Amazon. But if you can build that brand where you can cross sell your products, where you can get repeat purchases, where you have upsells. So whether I bundle different items or try to increase the quantity that people are buying or whatever it is, any of these strategies can help increase your lifetime value overall. And then all of a sudden, now you're playing with much better margins than your competitors who are only selling one product at a time. So lifetime value is really big. And taking that into account when analyzing your advertising strategy versus just looking at single metrics like ACOS and ROAS, it's a key way that you can really get yourself to stand apart from your competition on Amazon. So overall, anything else, Matt? That's it. All right. Well, as always, we really appreciate you listening to the Ad Project podcast. We're recording this right before we're going to the Prosper show coming up in Vegas. So if you're listening to this and you're going to be out there, make sure you swing by the booth. Both Matt and I will be there. We'll be doing a lot of events during the day and after hours too. So really excited to see a lot of you in person. And if you're listening to this after the Prosper show too, there's a lot of other conferences or feel free to reach out. We love connecting with everyone in the space, seeing people face to face. 
getting to see them virtually too. Totally. We love podcast topic suggestions too. So if you have anything that you want to hear about, I like that. We're an open book. I like that. I like that. Well, cool. Well, thanks again for listening to the Ad Project podcast. And as always, we'll see you on the next episode. Thank you.